0: This is a Broad Pods production. Hold
1: up. The Broad Radio Coast
2: Trek Collection, keeping you company while you train. Hi there, Coast Trekkers. It's Jo Stanley here, Coast Trek Ambassador and founder of Broad Radio, radio for women by women. Like you, I've loved getting outdoors and hiking with my mates, but I've also had some times when I've needed a little distraction to keep me going. That's where the Broad Radio Coast Trek Collection comes in. Inspirational interviews handpicked for you. Here's Australia's most successful female Paralympian, the amazing Ellie Cole, who talked to us just after the toast Paralympics in 2021. My co-host is Nellie Thomas, who brings a beautifully insightful perspective to this interview. Let's yep. actually talk to someone who's achieved physical feats of greatness. She's yep. our most decorated female Paralympian. Allie Cole, good
3: morning. Yay. Hey, girls, how's going? <laughs> this is very entertaining to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: glad. I'm well, you so need sorry. something. <laughs> Well, you're in quarantine, so you—I mean, you probably your standards are fairly low.
3: <laughs> My standards are low. I actually put clothes on this morning, so that was a good start to the day. But um, I'm actually enjoying just a bit of quiet time. You know, we've been training for the Paralympics for five years, and I've been waking up at four o'clock every morning, which you two are probably used to, um, for five years. So it's nice to be able to sleep in until 8.30 or 9 o'clock and just roll out of bed when I feel like it. I'm pretty much on holiday here.
0: Amazing. You did spark joy. Oh, how much joy did you spark? Do you realise, girl, how much joy well, you
3: brought us school? I do have a small sense of understanding because I was in a similar predicament to, to most of the country when the Olympics were on. I was still in Australia, um, watching a lot of my friends over in Tokyo at the Olympics training for the Paralympics still and you're right, you know having the games on our television sets during a pandemic was um, it did spark a lot of joy. but when you know a lot of the Olympic athletes on a more personal level, it was a pretty emotional two weeks for me. Um, so I kind of had to pull myself together and get myself ready to go over there myself for the Paralympics. But um, I've heard, I was, I could hear all the way from Tokyo about how well the Paralympics were being received by Australia. And I'm just really happy that people are finally beginning to understand, you know, the message that the Paralympics can send and why I love the Paralympics so much.
2: What, what is that message in your words? That the Paralympics? Can
3: well be. you know a lot of people see Olymp- the Olympics as the greatest athletes in the world and the Paralympics is very similar you know we have athletes that are training for their entire lives to represent Australia but the one thing that I really do love about the Paralympics is that the backstory behind a lot of the athletes um, you know anytime mm. I'm doing any kind of media They're more interested in the life lessons that I've learned whilst having a disability. And then the sport bit kind of comes on the end there. And I've always wanted people to see Olympic athletes as people too. Um, And Mm. so I think, you know, the Paralympic movement is also slowly starting to change how people perceive our Olympic athletes. And Mm. I find, well, I found in Tokyo that um, our public had a, a lot more grace than usual when it came to our Olympic performances. Um, It's usually, you know, if you don't win gold, you get death threats, uh, countless, countless death threats. But people are finally starting to see the athletes as people as well and um, really great ambassadors for Australia. And it's just incredible. You know, the athletes that I had the honor of spending my time with in Tokyo um, were incredible people and by large quantities, you know, there are 179 of us it's mm. it's honestly the most incredible experience being surrounded by so many people that have had so many near death experiences or been told time and time again that they won't live a fulfilled life and they've overcome yeah. those challenges and they've represented their country and just do what we love to do and find a passion and just and just run with it Ali, can I ask you a a slightly hairy question? I'll be
0: fascinated to see your response. There's no wrong answer, as they say, Um, but one of like Stella Young, the dearly departed Stella Young, was one of my best friends. And when she went to cover the London Paralympics, her and I had a long discussion about whether or not the Olympics and Paralympics should be merged. And I'm interested to see whether you think it should be one big athletic event or whether it's better off having them separated and understood that they're different events.
3: Yeah, it's certainly something that a lot of the uh, athletes, Olympic and Paralympic have considered before. Um, but you know, whenever the athletes are, are speaking about this around you know, the dinner table, the conversation always goes to that the Paralympic swimming event anyway is 10 days and the Olympic swimming events are eight days and nobody wants to sit through 18 days of racing. <laughs> I prefer to keep the Olympics and the Paralympics separate. Um, we do have opportunities at other times, such as the Commonwealth Games, to bring our teams together. But I just really enjoy like what the Paralympic movement represents and I really enjoy what the Olympic movement represents and I feel like they have... Um, you know, different things to offer, and like I said before, nobody wants to sit through eighteen days of racing. It's, it's already exhausting as it is. I don't know I would through that. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely sit through that. I mean, I would love to see like an Olympics and Paralympics event where maybe there's a handicap. So say I start three or four seconds yeah. behind Kate Campbell, and she has to try and exactly. mow me down.
0: Exactly. This is what. <laughs> And can I? Ask, sorry, Joe, but I'm just getting worked up. Can I, I ask it. you one question, Ellie? And it is—it's a difficult one as well. And I full disclosure: I have an autistic child, so I have a child with an uh, invisible disability. And watching the Paralympics, you know, we were having discussions about will autistic people be included? Or people with invisible disabilities that aren't, or non-physical disabilities? Like, do you have a thought on that? Do you sit around the dinner table discussing that with your with your colleagues?
3: Yeah, there, there are a lot of um, disabilities that are invisible that are in the Paralympics. You know, for example, in my classification that I race in, um, we have plenty of, of people who are suffering from multiple sclerosis. and. From one day to the next, their condition might deteriorate or improve. So it can be um, quite difficult. In terms of um, autism, you know, I'm not too sure where that could go and how it would get categorized, but I am open to anybody who has any invisible difference or struggles in any way. Um, only in the last, I think, five or six years uh, have we had an intellectual impairment category. So people who have an IQ. I believe lower than 60, um, are able to compete at the Paralympics now, um, just because of the challenges that they face in their day-to-day training environment. Um, You know, somebody with an intellectual disability, for example, might really struggle at training to understand stroke rate or know how to pace. And when you watch a 200 meter freestyle of athletes with an intellectual impairment, instead of pacing the 200 meters, like start off slower and build, build over the 200, they'll just go as fast as they can from the yeah. beginning. And it's whoever can hold on for dear life. Um, it's quite remarkable. And you know, that's one of the greatest things about the Paralympics is just to see, um, you know, how people maybe compete a bit differently than than what would right. be considered. Yeah. And that's <laughs> the
0: inclusion, right. you know, mm. that's sort of part of the disability community that, you know, people with invisible disabilities are welcome in the community generally and not just in the Paralympics. Yeah, I, do, I think it's a, it's a fascinating area.
3: I think I think one of the greatest things that the Paralympics has to offer, even just outside of sport, is that, you know, every four years, it's, it's the centre of attention in terms of, like, global interest. And so, if anything, it's a really great platform for people just to start having conversations about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the, the effects are remarkable. Everybody has been speaking about disability for the last three weeks and disability is never really at the forefront of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's wonderful to see just the change that can happen just by having a conversation.
2: Well, I mean, we saw it, we saw it when uh, the Australian government announced that Paralympians were going to be rewarded the same monetary amount as the Olympians. And that was like a very simple ticker box that just highlighted the disparity between people with disabilities and people without disabilities. It just, even that one little thing got a conversation going that I think was really mm-hmm.
3: profound and really important about equality, right? That's the thing. I always grew up being a Paralympian. I've been I've been a Paralympian since I was 16 years old and I'm nearly 30 now. And I always had this sense that our public never really cared about our Paralympic athletes That were a little bit of a sideshow. But um, seeing the public outrage that brewed when people realized that we weren't being paid equally, it made me realize that it's not that people don't care, it's that people don't understand. You know, nobody knew about this pay discrepancy. And so, therefore, nobody was fighting for us because they just weren't aware. Mm. I assumed as an athlete that everybody knew this information because I live in my little athlete bubble. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to have the Paralympics, you know, broadcast on mainstream television, to be able to have this conversation about equality in terms of payment and and all other areas, um, Mm -hmm. I just assumed that nobody ever really cared. But that's not the case at all. Um, You know, people, especially Australians, they love to step up for an underdog. And at the moment, Mm -hmm. people with disabilities in Australia, they just aren't being treated the way that they deserve, um, you know. Life is already hard enough with a disability, let alone not being recognized by the government like we should be. And so to be able to have this conversation over the Paralympic Games, I think that's why I I was so emotional when Scott Morrison stood up and said to our entire country that he sees us as equals. Because Mm. for 30 years, I have never been told that by our government before. And... It's, it's just, it was one of the most historic days, I think for athletes with a disability that we have had in this country so far. Well, Ellie, um, shame on us that it took
0: us that long and that we had to be dragged there kicking and screaming. But can I also say one thing I've noticed, a big shift this Paralympics compared to even the last one and the one before, and I mean no disrespect to this man because I think he's absolutely golden, but most people probably would have just gone, oh, I know Kurt Fernley. Mm. you know what I mean like, or I know Dylan Alcott you know they're probably the only Paralympians or Olympic or you know athletes with a disability that I could name I think now that's changed like I, I think a lot more people engage with the Paralympics this time and they know who Ellie Cole is and they could name two or three at least other Paralympians do you feel that as well
3: Yeah, I do. And I think that people really embraced our Paralympic athletes for the first time. Like I said, not just for being great athletes but for being wonderful people as well. The reason why I'm smiling is because um, I was speaking to Channel 7 last week and I said that one of my favourite moments from the Games had nothing to do with performance. It was just Todd Hodgetts ripping his T-shirt off and screaming down the camera, you know, this is what it's all about. Yes. the joy. <laughs> yes it really is you know I feel like our Paralympic athletes they haven't yet been so commercialised and aren't necessarily told exactly what to say exactly what to do exactly how to behave they, they just embrace exactly mm-hmm. who they are and Australia were loving it I was loving it
2: <laughs> yeah a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend Um, I want to bring up We the Fifteen, which is this incredible worldwide movement that really kind of was a, a part of the Paralympics, but is then going on to um, share the the message that people with disabilities are fifteen percent of the global population. Can you tell us about what that campaign aims to do and how we can all get involved?
3: Sure. So We the Fifteen is a very exciting campaign. You know, I, I guess it's. Um, It's aiming to accelerate what the Paralympic movement has been working on for such a long time. So people need to understand that in our world at the moment, we have 1 billion people that live with a disability. So that's 1 billion people. Yet, like I I mentioned before, these people aren't being treated the way they should be, aren't being recognized the way they should be. In fact, out of that 1 billion people, 85% of them live in poverty. So this is something that we really need to change. So We The 15 is a campaign. It, it will span for a decade and it's bringing together the biggest coalition that we have ever seen before of international organizations. Um, and they're from all, all different sectors of life. So you've got sports, you've got human rights, um, you've got policy, business, arts, entertainment. Everybody is working together to change these statistics around people with a disability. And so, as I mentioned before, this campaign is going to span for an entire decade. And its aim is to uh, raise awareness of people with disabilities, not just in sport by the Paralympics, but in other areas. Um, It's aiming to change attitudes that people have, you know, there's still such a strong stigma around disability. So we're aiming to break down those systemic barriers that we've seen um, and It's going to, uh, by, I guess, creating those conversations, create a lot more opportunities for people that have a disability. So, like I mentioned before, the Paralympics is such a great platform to create conversation. We The 15 aims to do that every single day of the year over the next 10 years. And as I mentioned before, bringing together so many international organisations. So it's basically just bringing that disability conversation to the forefront. As I mentioned before. I'm very excited by this campaign. It's
0: amazing. It's amazing because, you know, you shouldn't have to be an elite athlete to get a job, mm. you know, like it's not everyone's
3: going to be you um, with a disability. I know, I understand that. And it's amazing. I, in a way, I feel, I feel really great for being a Paralympian and inspiring so many Australians. But at the same time, I never want somebody with a disability to compare themselves to a Paralympian and say, I am i can't be successful unless I'm a Paralympic athlete. And so, you know, that's why we the 15 and all of these international organizations from all different walks of life are coming together because we want to lift everybody that has a disability up, not just athletes. Yes. And so I, you know, I'm really excited by the opportunities that this campaign is gonna create, you know, reducing the number of people that live in poverty. Um, increasing the amount of people with disabilities in the workforce and going to school and education and the employment market. Like there is, it's just, it's going to be incredible. Um, but we need as many people to get on board as we can and get you don't board. need to have a disability. You don't need to have a disability to help out.
0: I just know- So are you
3: intimidated? I'm
0: like, I'm like oh, don't even. medalist plus changing the world, plus articulate <laughs> plus like, I think I've had enough now.
3: Yeah, a no, well- You know what though? Even just, even just giving me an opportunity to be able to speak about this, We The 15, you two are already changing the world. Well, but see,
2: Ali, what I love about it is that it is a 10-year campaign, that it's that very simple hashtag, We The 15, and I can see this taking off and becoming as on the tip of the tongue, as the hashtag Me Too movement. That's the kind of change yes. that needs to happen yes. and that can, ha- can happen from this very simple and very powerful campaign that we can all get on, on top of. It's I a move, movement, right? It's a movement, a global We're movement.
3: Doing- yeah. My kind of movement.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, as you're, yeah, you're an incredible athlete. I'm the sort of person that my kind of movement is going from the couch to the fridge. So yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> this Hello. is the movement that I can get on top of. So please check out hashtag WeThe15. There's some amazing resources there so that you can get involved. Ali Cole, it's been just a great honour to have you on Broad Radio because you are an absolute superstar. And you all go, the best with whatever you go on to now because I know yeah. that you uh, are retiring from a uh, professional athlete, but I'm sure you'll do another
0: I'm seeing media career. I don't know about you, Joe, but I'm seeing media career. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you're amazing. Oh, thank you.
3: Thank you so much for having me on. I'm in a
1: new Have a you catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row